Section 6. Creating Your Success Formula What do I mean by having a success formula? When a small business works, meaning it has enough sales to generate profits and cash for itself and can continually grow and become a better small business, it has a success formula. There is that secret sauce that allows that small business to stay in business instead of falling into the statistical category of failure. The small business has a way of doing things that enables it to compete in the marketplace and win. That's what I mean when I talk about having a success formula. Let me reiterate what it means for a small business to be successful. It's the point at which cash is generated internally from sales and profits rather than externally from investors or creditors. That's not to say that your business is unsuccessful if you have investors or creditors. It means that your business can stand on its own by generating its own cash without investors or creditors. In addition, the small business must be growing and improving. And finally, there is a specific process or recipe for success that can be replicated again and again. The following list is how I define success in a small business. Small business success. The small business is generating its own internal and sustainable cash flow. The small business is growing and improving. The small business has a recipe for their success or a way to consistently duplicate their success. Recipe for success. Having a success formula is more than having a business plan or developing a concept. It's the complete process of doing business. If you want to know if you have a recipe for success, ask yourself, could I sell my business? If the answer is no, you clearly don't have a success formula. If the answer is yes, ask yourself the following question. What exactly are people buying if they were to buy my business? Are you only selling inventory, real estate, or maybe they are buying your business simply as an easy way to get you out of the way? Or do they want what you have created? If they truly want what you have created, you likely have a success formula. There are two ways in which you can get a success formula. Either you can create it yourself, or you can get it from someone else who created a success formula of their own. If you are getting it from someone else, you can buy it or try to mimic or copy it. When an entrepreneur purchases a franchise, one of the main things they are purchasing is the process. A successful franchise is successful because they have developed a formula for success. They know what works and are selling that knowledge to you in the form of a franchise model. Another way to purchase a success formula is to purchase the rights to it in the form of a license agreement. Whenever there is a success formula, including franchise models and license agreements, there will most often be duplicates that arise in the market. All great success formulas have always had entrepreneurs who try to copy them. Sometimes the copies end up being significant improvements, and sometimes they are just cheap knockoffs. But copying is definitely a common approach to getting a success formula. However you go about it, whether you buy, borrow, or steal, one option for getting a success formula is to get it from someone who already has it. The second way to get a success formula is to create it by yourself. When an entrepreneur creates a startup, often they are creating their own success formula. There isn't a pattern to follow, so they create their own. This doesn't mean that no one has ever sold a similar product in their market before or that they have a completely new product or service. 
It means that this is the first time anyone has created this specific combination of a business. It's a combination of the products, services, customers, pricing, location, strategy, etc. But we know that most combinations don't work. If they did, then most startups would succeed rather than fail. In short, it's hard to find that right formula. But it can be done, and that's exactly what you should do for your startup. Even if you use the first method and get your success formula from someone who already has it, you still need to understand how to make it work for you. I've given you the rules to follow and the patterns for success in marketing your small business. You just need to implement it in a success formula for your startup. The starting point for creating your success formula is to understand what goes into a success formula. Thus far, I've talked about creating your marketing plan rather than a business plan using the MS approach for successful marketing, understanding break-even analysis for your startup, knowing how cash fits into your break-even analysis, being able to run your small business as long as you have cash, and focusing on primary research instead of secondary research. Now let's put all this together into a success formula to work for you and your startup. Creating a marketing success formula. Focus on what works. Corporate businesses and franchises have a success formula. They already know what works, and they can easily use that formula to launch several successful expansions, new products, or launch into new areas. But a typical startup can't do that because there isn't a successful formula to follow. You need to create it. Here's how. Using the MS approach, the first step is to look for a demand in the marketplace. Take as much time as is necessary to correctly identify a demand. At this point, you should use little to no cash and you don't need to worry about validating your assumptions. You don't need a formal business plan or a marketing strategy. You just need an idea that you think will solve a problem in the marketplace. Now that you have an idea, make sure there is a demand for it. Ask people what they think. Take time to listen to their feedback. Find out how big of a problem this potential market demand creates and see if you have a viable solution for it. You're still just asking around, observing, and gathering information at this stage with the goal of hopefully identifying a potential demand. Many entrepreneurs get frustrated trying to identify a demand. Truthfully, it can be frustrating if you try and force it to happen. You have to just let it happen. It can't be forced. To give an example, imagine how people fall in love. It just happens. It can't be forced. But that being said, you still have to work at it. If you want to find that special someone, you'll do better if you start looking for them. Go where the right people hang out. Do the things the type of person you want to attract would do. Understand what the potential person would like and dislike. If you keep trying, eventually it will happen. And just like finding the right person, when trying to identify a demand in the market, sometimes it comes easy and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it comes by accident and sometimes it requires intention and focus. But when it happens, you know it. However, there is a word of caution. If you want it too badly and you force it to happen, you'll think you've identified a demand when you really haven't. Have patience and let it happen. You can still work hard to identify it, but regardless of anything you do, you can't create a demand in the marketplace. The MS approach only works with a real demand, not a fabricated demand that you wanted so badly you wouldn't take no for an answer. 
Once you have identified a demand, the next step in the MS approach is to test that demand. There is a specific order or process you'll want to engage in to test your demand. The tool to use is breakeven, and the process is to look at your market hurdles within breakeven. A standard breakeven calculation is sales less costs equals zero, or breakeven. But for a startup small business, you will need to modify your breakeven calculation. Marketing creates sales and costs are covered by cash. So the new breakeven formula is marketing leads to sales minus cash leads to costs equals breakeven. As we've discussed, cash spent on costs creates the need for more marketing. As cash increases in the startup breakeven formula, it requires greater investment and expertise with your marketing. Since most startup small businesses have limited cash and are struggling to dial in their marketing, the best option to reach breakeven as quickly as possible is to lower the marketing hurdle by not going after startup cash. This is known as the low-cash startup model. It's in using the low-cash startup model that you will be able to create your success formula. You can test your business for as long as you need to, as long as you have cash. Once you run out of cash, you will go out of business. But using the low-cash startup model means that instead of going after more cash to maintain cash flow, smart entrepreneurs will figure out ways of testing their business without cash. And they will test their business by using primary market research. Using primary research to test demand. This is the step where the low-cash startup model fits into your marketing strategy. The only way to make it work is using primary research specific to your small business. Looking back at the example of corporate business expansions and franchise models, we identified that the main difference between these models and the typical startup small business model is that major companies and franchises have access to several stores from which to gather data. They are able to create a dialed-in success formula based on the wealth of information they have, information which is mostly internal. They know which stores work the best, which areas are the most profitable, what types of customers shop at their stores, and how best to market to those customers. It's much easier to get it right when you have this much information. A good friend of mine who was a district manager for a major franchise restaurant once told me that the ideal number of stores in a specific geographical region was nine. This franchise model knew that at nine stores, they would be able to maximize their marketing dollars. Ten stores started to create internal competition where the stores were stealing customers from each other. Eight stores or fewer became progressively more expensive to market because they lacked the shared market mediums. As he was sharing this information with me, I couldn't help but be impressed that their model was that specific and it was working excellently for them. Startup businesses don't have access to this level of information, but that doesn't mean that a startup business can't be that specific in determining what works for their business. The reason small businesses can be just as competitive as any franchise or corporate chain is that they can use primary research. Primary research is always available for any business to have, but sometimes it takes a little more work or creativity to find. Let's break this down to what a franchise or corporation has access to. Of course, they have multiple stores with different demographics, but that's not what gives them success. Their success comes in having a solid understanding of their customers. They just use multiple locations to better understand their customers. If you don't have multiple locations, don't fret. You have customers. 
If you are a completely new startup, you might not have any actual customers, but you'll always have potential customers. Whether it's actual customers or potential customers makes little difference. What matters is how well you can understand them. This is the most important thing you can do with primary research. Spend as much time as possible with your customers, understanding them and their needs. This doesn't have to be complicated, expensive, or require a certain level of expertise. It mainly requires a genuine interest, patience, and good communication skills. Have you ever asked someone to talk about themselves? Or have you genuinely cared to know what someone was feeling? We love to talk about ourselves, and we love it even more when someone cares about us or cares about the things we care about. This is primary market research and is the simplest, most effective way to test demand. Unfortunately, businesses often get this wrong. Instead of genuinely caring about customers, businesses often do things like survey them, ask pointed questions, or care more about the business than the customer. When was the last time you were excited to take a survey? Now think about the last time someone listened to your needs, which naturally feels better and lets you open up. The big boys might have significantly more data to draw from, but they don't have the personal insight and personal connection that you can have with your customers. They might have a lot of data points to reference, which allows them to utilize statistical formulas that work, but you can know your individual customers better than they ever can which means that you can create your own success formula if you take the time to do it. I can't tell you how many successful entrepreneurs I talk with who, when I ask how they got started, say something like, I don't know, we had people asking for our products, so we would make it for them. At first, it took us a while to figure out what we were doing, but when we finally did, the business just took off. The truth is, the entire time, they were trying to figure things out. They were getting tons of feedback and information from their customers. They were getting amazing primary market research and didn't even know it. And once they figured it out, or in other words, they had finally developed their success formula, their business took off. This approach has worked for thousands of entrepreneurs and can also work for you. Does it really work? The question now is, does this really work? The answer is, absolutely it works. Whereas others might not use the same terminology, this is the approach that most successful small businesses have taken. Is this the only way to create a successful small startup? No. There are many other ways and many examples of businesses that have successfully launched not following these principles, but it's a lot harder to do. Many entrepreneurs mistakenly believe that it is too hard to use the low-cash startup model because there are too many things that require cash. This is simply not true. I was helping two entrepreneurs launch their startup. They had $15,000 cash with no feasible options of getting any more cash. As the one partner put it, we need money, but we're both broke as a joke. That's why we want to start a business. They needed about $20,000 just to buy the necessary equipment to even start their business. They came to me asking for help and looking for ideas. I sat down with them and we talked about their business. We hardly talked at all about the need for additional cash. I spent most of the time asking them questions about the demand in the market and how they could market their business with little to no cash. I also wanted to see how committed they really were to the business. 
After assessing that all the necessary components for a successful startup were in place, I told them to go out and start finding potential customers. I said that if I were them, I wouldn't try and get any additional cash, and they could do it with what they had. After a while, I met up with them again. This time, they had a very different story. Instead of looking at $20,000 of necessary cash, they were able to get all of the needed equipment and keep $2,000 still in the bank. What was the difference? They got creative. They told themselves that they would either find a solution or not do the business, and not doing the business wasn't an option to them, so they found a solution. This approach will work so long as you manage your cash down. Force it down, and when you think you can't get by on any less cash, force yourself to look for another solution. There is always another solution. Throughout the history of great startups, the low-cash startup model has always been a successful formula that has been followed. Of course, it wasn't called by that name, and perhaps the various entrepreneurs were unaware that their lack of cash was an actual advantage as a startup, but it's always been present. The aviation industry was started on little cash. In the 1890s, the Wright brothers used the proceeds from manufacturing bicycles to fund their experiments in aviation. Their primary competitor at the time, Samuel Pierpont Langley, received $70,000 in grant funding. That's a lot of money at that time. And was unable to be the first in flight. Keep in mind, however, that the Wright brothers started experimenting with aviation in 1896 and weren't able to invent an airplane with any practical applications until 1905, two years after the first successful flight. But because they created a low-cost model, they could easily continue on for nearly a decade of experimenting without running out of resources. The Gore Company, makers of Gore-Tex and other technologies using PTFE, is a great example of a low-cash startup. It was a husband and wife team that started in their Delaware basement in 1958. They didn't receive a major sales order until 1960, but spent much of their time in the 1950s experimenting with ways to meet customer demand. They kept their company small at first and stayed working from their basement until 1960. Now they are among the top 200 privately held companies in the United States. Even today, the low-cash startup model is every bit as viable for new startups. Two of the biggest players in the online world both used this model, Google and Facebook, both started out as online tools used for a university. Their teams were not formal nor big. There wasn't the typical business plan. There was simply a demand and a great platform to test that demand the university setting. As a result, both companies grew very quickly based on developing a success formula prior to launch and with very little cash. The Good News to No Cash I suspect that there is someone reading this book that will be the next successful startup small business case study based on using the low-cash startup model. Yet, I'm still amazed at the people who get upset when I tell them that they can be successful without investing excessive amounts of cash. It's as if they feel cheated, but this is great news for most entrepreneurs because cash is hard to come by. I was listening to an entrepreneur give a presentation about his experience in starting a steel fabrication plant. He had been in business for less than six months and was frustrated that he couldn't get access to capital because he had no financial history in his business. Never mind the fact that he had already secured and completed several projects for major contractors in the area. 
banks and investors wanted to see his historical financial statements. As a result, he had been forced to be more innovative in his business. Coincidentally, around this same time, in the exact same city, an indirect competitor who was another steel fabricator closed down. They didn't provide the same products and could have easily pivoted their business to compete in those new markets, but they didn't. Instead, they let their labor costs get out of control and couldn't keep up with the expense. Note that about two years prior, they received a 50% equity investment, meaning they suddenly had more cash. But despite the increase in cash, they still closed their doors and the entrepreneur without cash was still going strong. There's a strong benefit in learning how to function on little cash. It's hard to get cash when you are a startup. The good news is your business is often better off without it. The goal of a small business should be to be able to take money out of it, not have to constantly put money in. It might feel difficult and seem unfair, but don't be afraid to start a business without cash. Businesses that can start without cash will do exceptionally well once the time is right to add cash into the mix. Remember, the low-cash startup model is strictly a startup model. Once you launch, the rules change and cash functions differently in your business. <laughs> 